0: Welcome to the Business with Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the actions others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm excited today to bring you Case Knockenhauer. In the last three years, Case has built a real estate development company that flips over 60 homes a year. He's acquired 120 rental units and has hit financial freedom. And he says that he focuses on firing himself every day. Must be nice, Case. <laughs> it is. I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> That's good. It's good. Most owners are. So um, yeah. So do you mind like let's let's start with some color and some backstory. So you know, bring me back to when you're 18 years old. You know, I don't know. Do you go to college or not? And then and then how do you kind of get on this business and investing journey? And we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah. I, when I was 18, I joined the army actually. Uh, so I've been, I currently am in the army, but I've been in 15 years now. Uh, I went to basic training, came back as a musician. Uh, so I had a full ride for a uh, tuba at Grand Valley and was really sick. So I dropped out, um, restored boats for six months, trying to figure out what to do with my life. And then went back as a geology student. So it took me seven years to finish school. I, I did halftime skipped a couple semesters um a bunch of my friends went into into <laughs> geology whether it was the government which means that you made no money and worked with really old technology mm. um, but had a reasonable schedule or you worked in oil and you made great money but traveled all the time and had the latest tech in. so neither sounded good um so after a few fast job changes i found myself in real estate so um I, 2016 i think i, I Started as a real estate agent and sort of transitioned from a, a individual agent to a team, and then I did my taxes probably three years ago. And like I made half my money flipping a couple houses, and it took me no time. So um, we made a huge change, and we really sort of transitioned our business uh, just fully focused on flips. So at this point, we don't even list our own properties anymore.
0: Okay, you know. I mean, you sell you sell your own properties, but you don't list other. You don't sell other people's houses. Only I don't, we don't even list our own flips. Oh, you don't anymore. even sell your own flips. No. you're just listing. Yeah, you have somebody else to take care of So You're primarily focused on the the acquisition, the Correct. construction, um, then they handle everything else from there. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. So how how many how many houses have you flipped total?
1: Uh, I'd say in the in the range of 250. Oh wow.
0: Okay. And what what where in the
1: country? Yeah, so we're, I'm, I live in Spring Lake, Michigan, uh, just west of Grand Rapids. So our territory, I'd say, is about 90 miles around, maybe an hour and a half around Grand Rapids. So it's basically the third half. Uh, it's about a third of the Lower Peninsula, a pretty big area.
0: Okay, all right. And so, what does that uh, look like? like? How do you how do you find how do you find your deals? Is it is it kind of wholesale marketing? Is it kind of outreach brokers? like What does it look like? Yeah,
1: great question. We do direct-to-seller, also do agent outreach. um, So we get a handful of referrals annually. We're really looking at ramping up our agent referral basis. So we spend six hours a week calling agents, saying hello, seeing if they have any properties that aren't a good fit to list. So our main goal, sort of 2022, end of 2022 and 2023, is to increase that to probably a third of our business, which is going to be a big push. So I'd like to see two deals a month from that. Uh, right now, direct to seller, we do every bit of marketing you can imagine. So a lot of people ask us like, what's the best lead source? It always comes down to like how much money do you have? How much time do you have? What's your team look like? So we've done everything. Like I can't, I don't I don't think we've not tried anything except newsprint.'ve I've yet to
0: try that yet. but um so we turn on and off leads constantly. so, so you're, like direct mail, text messaging, Banded ads or whatever—I don't know what they're called. But oh yeah, we don't
1: do bandit signs either. So yeah, there's there's a there's a guy he walks on a big pole and a staple and he sticks the signs way way yeah, up yeah. in the air to so people can't pull them Turn down. down it's pretty yeah, funny in it. our area, but yeah, we don't do bandit signs. We don't do print. I've tried like everything. Um, yeah, bulk text messages, RVMs, um, PPC, radio, um, and so what we do is every quarter we go through and we we nix our lowest performing. Um, we kind of give it you know, six to nine months to start performing. Uh, but our goal is to use data and, and actual closings to to drive where we're putting our marketing funds.
0: Okay. And so, I mean, 60, 60 homes a year. I mean, you, so you got what, like five projects going on at the same time, roughly? Or is it kind of ebb and flow? Uh, it's quite a few, yes. Yeah, so our average
1: turn time is about 120 days from acquisition to resale, um, including the renovation and pending time. So uh, for instance, right now we have uh seven renovations nine acquisitions 10 listings and two in seller possession so we're typically running somewhere in the range of about 25 projects simultaneously um yeah so we're, yeah, right okay. now we're at tw- 25 projects so yeah we typically are in the range of about 20 to 25 projects at a time
0: and talk so just talk to me about your team i mean cuz that seems like there's a ton of organization that goes behind all that to have you know the to- all the various factors and moving parts so what what does your team look like yeah so i've got uh, a partner in the business
1: his name is tyler Uh, so tyler joined me uh, 2018 i believe 2019 when we switched from a a real estate uh, service company for traditional sellers Mm -hmm. to a flip company he went from an agent to a partner Uh, so if you've read rocket fuel he's my integrator Uh, so he sort of acts as the coo um, we're, my, my goal is to turn him into the full-time manager so I can step back to, you know, five or 10 hours a week uh, down from 20, 25. Um, so yeah, so he's my partner in the business. We've got three departments. Uh, so at this point in time, uh, Tyler runs our sales department. We have a full-time uh, sales guy on top of Tyler that's local. So he's a, a salaried and commissioned employee. And then we've got two VAs, uh, from the Philippines that are running, um, sort of the I'd call it CRM management and text management. So, because we push so many leads, mm. they're doing the front end. They're acting as uh, as Matt's fingers, I'll say. So they're doing the texting. He's doing the the conversations. Um, the we construction have, side, yeah, the construction side. At this point, I'm our flip manager. Um, so we have, um, I'd say, that takes me about five to ten hours a week at this time. Uh, we've got nine construction crews. Uh, that vary from a few, you know, probably a hundred miles in, in cir- circumference. And so um, all nine of them have uh, between one and three people per crew. So it looks like about 25 to 30 contractors at any given point um, that are general handymen. A handful are licensed, others aren't. Um, and then we've got our specialties as well. So we don't have a full-time you know, electrician or plumber or anything. So we still sub that out. Uh, we have a roofer that's fairly full-time with us just because we we're constantly replacing roofs. Um, yeah, sort of what the contracting team looks like. Um, I'd say that's a higher, maybe six to 18 months from now, we may consider that higher because I think we could do a lot better job managing the crews. And um, we, we lose a lot with like credit card acquisition sounds weird, but when we spend you a million dollars a year on on products, yeah. we get to 2% back and we use our own credit card. We could, you know, that's a lot of points that pay for a whole employee. Um, to looking at somebody for like acquisition. So our contractors don't have it, you know, increase our profitability there. Mm. Our other one is our operations department. So um, I'm sort of the head of operations at this point as well. Um, and we're in the transition of handing that to Colleen, one of my, she's my transaction coordinator. She also acts as an assistant to uh, the flip management so she touches base with contractors and asks for pictures and status of things like that. Um, inside our operations team we have uh, Colleen is the transaction coordinator. We have a full or not a full time but we have a, a 10.99 agent so we pay them per deal to sell our houses. And then we have a utility manager and like project manager. so she does you know everything from requesting surveys to finding contractors. Um, and then she's our utility manager. It's probably about half her job is just turning on and off power and water at, you know, 30 houses at a time. So
0: that's great. Well, relatively lean team. I mean, you know, in terms of probably what your payroll is considering, um, you know, the amount of volume you're doing on this. Yeah. And the the key, I think the, the key
1: too, is we, all of our local employees are salaried. No, no, Tyler's not, but he's, he's profitability, but, um, we sort of bring them in as a partner in terms of the profitability, which I think is important because it, it saves our bottom line, right? So paying them a little bit less monthly, but offering them, you know, quarterly bonuses based upon percentage of profit or an annual bonus, depending on the total profit has been sort of key for keeping our, our salary at a reasonable level. Otherwise it can inflate pretty quickly. You do that with
0: most of your people then? Uh, all of our employees. Um, okay. So what, what's it look like? Like the structure of it?
1: Yeah. So, um, Tyler earns a straight uh, percentage of profitability earned. Um, so he's my integrator. So we're partners in the business. Um, Matt is my sales guy. So he earns a probably an overly generous salary. Um, I, I probably should pay him less. I stole him from a, uh, another company though. So I had to pay him a, a bottom line that could support his family. Uh, so he's actually a friend of mine. Um, so he's uh, you know he makes a, a teacher's salary, I'll say, plus a percentage of profit. On a quarterly basis, and then I give him a, a annual bonus depending on the entire profitability of the company, uh, which is small at first. In fact, I, I, I stole a coffee cup, so if it's less than whatever value he gets a coffee cup, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it goes from you know a few percentages to you know ten or twenty percent of the profit, uh, because our goal is actually to have him sort of step in as the COO and then move Tyler in as a CEO in the next two years.
0: Okay yeah, so aligning a lot of the profit sharing. So how do you go about then educating everybody on how how you drive more profit? because for a lot of people they you know they they get the sales side of it. but then when it comes to all the expenses and and what it truly takes and how these small changes can have like massive impacts on your profitability, both positive and negatively, uh, it takes what well, we found a good amount of education on that. what do you what have you what have you done? Yeah, so we have open books with our employees.
1: um so quarterly we go through and we do an open p and l. Um, to show where the expenses are, where the profits coming from, um, we were in the process of spending a little bit more time on budget, so that we can sort of give the department heads more flexibility and say, okay, I'm going to invest here or or cut things. Um, so we use a lot of data, um, particularly in the sales. I mean, we spend you know tens of thousands of dollars a month on leads, so that's the easiest thing to adjust to cut back or increase capacity. So we're very conscious of like ROI. Um, you know, what, what, what is this going to do to our bottom line? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we follow the EOS platform. Yep. Um, and so we spent a lot of time looking at you know, driving profits, reducing expenses, um, you know, spent probably an hour or a quarter looking at that with our department heads.
0: Yep. Great. Yeah. So then how's that pivoted to, I guess, the, the rental properties and trying to create some passive income? Yeah, so I, I just went
1: through. Uh, we're both in in so I just went through my one sheet with uh, a few gentlemen, and they sort of laughed at our, our passive cash flow because it's it's piddly squat compared to our net worth. And the reason is we buy a lot of value add properties. So because we flip properties, a lot mm. of the assets we purchase. Um, uh, we just bought an apartment complex for nine hundred fifty thousand dollars. We're putting probably fifty to seventy thousand dollars a month into just that project. Oh, and wow. so we're, and we're
0: renovations. Yeah. And
1: renovations and unit turns. So yeah, it's, you know, probably 350, $350,00,0 into it in the next 12 months. So it's very challenging to come up with passive cash flow when we're dumping so much money into it because it's a value add project. But you know, sort of understanding equity to cash flow. I mean, what's the goal? You know, we spend a lot of time, Tyler invests with me. He's my my flip partners, but uh we we have a 30 some units, uh, rentals together. And so we look at, you know, is this a value add project? Um, when it's, and when it's done, we sell most of our properties. So we see our earnings on the capital gains mm. as opposed to the cash flow. Well, um, and why is that? Why don't you keep them? A lot of it turns into equity basis. So let's say I'll give you an example. We bought, um, we bought a, uh, a five unit, um, this will, this will, Freak people out. Uh, this is in Muskegon, Michigan. So we bought a five unit for one hundred and one thousand dollars. Okay, <laughs> right. So 20, 20 grand a unit or something, and we put thirty five or forty thousand dollars into it while it was occupied. Turned three units and then sold it for one ninety something like that. So okay, we only only owned it for two years, and the main reason is is it's always a function of what's our what's the value of the property to the loan. Um, and so the problem is when you have a value add property, your equity to cash flow becomes so low after you finished or started fixing the property up that you have to make the decision: Do I leave that low, or do I redeploy my funds by selling the property or refinancing? So that's always the question we ask. You. In in my mind, I don't yet have the the net worth to not redeploy that equity. So I'd rather, you know, maintain a. So you rather um, pull the
0: sixty grand out or whatever you're. 30 each gain on it and then take that, you know, that's the gain plus the capital back and then go and find something else. So you can try to make another 30 grand off the same amount of capital or just snowball it. Is that the play right at at this stage? Correct. Yeah. So at at this point, you know, my, my
1: wife and I live a very frugal life, you know, 45 or $50,000 a year. So we live, we live very cheap. So we invest a lot more than, than we live on. Um, but I've also realized like a $50,000 investment sitting there um, there's huge potential to turn, especially in the flipping world, I can turn 50 into 80 very quickly. Um, so, mm. redeploying funds um, in my mind is quite important. So, we try to stick at about 50% uh, debt to equity in our properties. And uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. I, I, when, right. yeah, when we start straying below that, it's important that we look at you know refinancing or selling a couple properties.
0: Okay. And then a, do you do you have a point of this thing on your your future self of buying triple net apartments? Is, is this like is this still part of your vision or is it more kind of like, hey, let's take this cash and put it into buying businesses we were talking about earlier or yeah, like something else? A, Cause it's a it's a struggle. I mean, I have it too, where hey, I could go out and buy a, a triple net property if I wanted to, but at the end of the day, get like a four percent cash on cash. And it's like I could just take that money and I could do a hard money loan and make twelve or whatever, or I could go and like buy another business and make a lot more on it. So it's, yeah. but then those all require different time commitment and risks. So you kind of, there's like a balance of it all. Yeah. I, I think,
1: I think for us, we're always thinking about like, what is our life looking like? So at this point, um, if I'm to open up my you know, sort of buckets of assets, and I don't know this exactly, I'd say a third of my money is in business in terms of like equity in our flip company. Um, probably half of it is in value add properties. And then the rest of it is in cash flow. So we have a very small portion of cash flow. So I've got two triple net properties. I'm, uh, partners in partners in a 10% in a very large building, uh, like $10 or $11 million. And then um, a smaller triple net in Chicago that's maybe worth $2 million. I'm a quarter partner in that one. Uh, and then we do have two apartment complexes, a 23 and a 24 unit. Um, so those are on um, one's a value add the other one's going to be cash flow um, it's a small value add um, so only fifty thousand or sixty thousand dollars invested instead of 400 but um yeah so i think we're we're now in the process where we're moving away from small multis and really focusing on apartment acquisitions uh, just because we've got too much equity i i think we sort of hit the terminal point where i can't handle more than th- you know say 40 properties at a time so we're just going to start instead of going to 80 we're going to look at doubling the The asset size as we
0: sell. So, what do you think for people? How do they? How do you? What would be your advice on trying to make that decision? Of hey, you got money to invest. How do you? I don't know. What kind of mental model do you kind of work through to decide? Is it return? Is it like? I guess it's time, better opportunity. I mean, how do you? How do you view it? Or how would you recommend someone view it? Um, I'd say I balance
1: how my wife feels and how much time we have with the equity that we have available and you know, sort of looking at risk and diversification, right? So if we're extremely heavy in our business, it's important, I think, to diversify. Um, another thing I look at is if my, my active income is really high, I need to offset it. And I can do that by acquiring a triple net property or, um, cost segging an apartment complex. So, you know, we look a lot at like, how do we reduce tax basis? Um, how, how busy am I? Um, I have a list on my wall of, of reasons I don't sleep well, <laughs> which sounds funny, but like when I don't sleep well, I write it down and I try my best to avoid that. Um, and you know, if, if I wake up and I'm stressed, cause I'm at 56% debt instead of 50, I'm like, Oh, I better write that down. And so that's sort of the number we have is, is how do I stay at 50%. Um, and I think right now we're at 42%. Um, and so we've.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so for, dead on all your all the flips too, or, or just your rentals, uh, just the yeah,
1: our rental portfolio is about, uh, actually, don't know offhand, but yeah, I think our, our, our rent, yeah, our rental portfolio is 42%, I think across the board, I'm mid 50s. So, okay. Okay. um, interesting with the flips involved. Why,
0: why 50? Why not 60? Or um, 40?
1: I don't know. Um, I just got like when I see uh, there is no, honestly, there's no like main reason I did it. It's just I have, I've been leveraged at 65%. percent i and I was uncomfortable. Um, and mm. so for me, I just woke up and I thought, I don't like the debt payments on this. I don't like the interest we're paying on this. Mm. And so, you know, good, healthy debt attached to good, healthy properties is uh, is important. Good. So, um, yeah, no, cool. no, no fundamental reason other than that's where I felt safe. There so. you go.
0: Well, that's what, you know. The idea of running a business is you can sleep well at night and you can provide a great life for your family and, and all that. Yeah. So it's uh if you find like you said, there's things that are bothering you, I think it's it's a great idea to to go and identify it and then come up with a solution to to solve it. Right. That's yeah. like the if, entire point.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that's a hard number. Um, you know, if if you know, you and I talked before this call about business acquisition and I think, you know, that's probably where we'll go in another eighteen to twenty four months. And at that point, I think leveraging an active business is is really important. Um, and so I can see you know having a having that debt leverage sort of increase to you know a, a value beyond that but I think right now with the current businesses we're working in, it's probably not uh, I'm not comfortable with it so yeah
0: cool yep. so hey pivoting a few you, you know, I want to hear some stories here so on your on your sheet you said you purchased a commercial airplane fuselage <laughs> a 42 foot <laughs> school bus an ambulance imported nine hundred thousand dollars of classic land Rovers. And purchased a 14 cubic yard container, I assume, of winter beanies. So I don't know if any of those are the most interesting to share, but uh, you know, what's what's up with all that?
1: I'll start backwards because I love this story. So um, you know, you and I both in go abundance and and there's a, a gentleman who who uh, uh his name's Ron and he did a a webinar on like how I know Ron. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Ron, so he's, he's a cool dude and he did this, did this thing on, on beanies. And, and I went to the store and I bought a thousand dollars of beanies and I sent him a picture and I'm like, dude, you want these? And he was like, yeah. And he called me. And so he's using retail arbitrage and he's selling them online through Amazon to make more money. Um, Because as a, um, as a seller of this brand, we're not allowed to do it. So he's like, yeah, oh yeah. You acquire as many as you want. And I'll pay you a fixed price above. And so I just posed this question. I said like, what if I could buy a thousand? What if I could buy 5,000? What
0: about. And, and sell it to Ron?
1: Yeah. And okay. what about, 50,000? He's like, dude, I'm in. So I deployed a, a, a I, I created a think if it course, my wife and I spent, um, I don't know, three days. We gave our kids away to my grandparents, to my parents And we spent three days and we built a it course on what stores to go to, how to find them, where to buy them, how to use our rewards points. Here's how to use our credit card. Here's how to use the tax exemption form. And then I used a program called OnFleet. I've never done anything like this in my life. It was super fun. Okay and i deployed 11 drivers in 6 or 7 different states and we bought 24,000 hats from retail people shipped them to our house and filled two u-haul vehicles and sent them to <laughs> what would you what would you make on them uh so honestly i don't remember it was it varied based upon the color but i think our, our total gross was like 80 some thousand uh, we earned um like and then we yeah profit and then we got it was weird too like it came from all sorts of different places cuz we made <laughs> credit card points right so we spent like 150 to two hundred thousand dollars a day i mean we only shot for
0: like a week and a half so we bought twenty four thousand. Um, so you're hats. like driving to like target or like walmart or wherever he could buy these things is that yeah. like the specialty you probably had a mm-hmm. list and you knew and then you yeah, gave so I, random random people your your credit card number or you bought them online and they had to like go pick up in store yeah uh, great question so we
1: couldn't buy online um and so we we bought them Um, I shipped everybody overnighted them credit cards, my own credit card with their name on it. And so like I recruited heavy for one day on like Thursday, I said, okay, you guys ready on Tuesday, we're going to start working. So I overnight, I remember spending like $60 just overnighting cards. I'm like, I am such an idiot. This is such a (laughs) bad idea. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I skipped traced every retailer that I knew that carried this brand and, We put them in a big list and then we used OnFleet to design the best route. So Brian, let's say you're in Philadelphia. Is that right? Yep. Yep. So I would put together the list of like 27 retailers that I knew would be best. You tell me where you lived. I give you a start time. You tell me how long you want to work. So I want to work 14 hours or 10 hours or whatever. And I would predict based upon pickup and drop off and redesign the optimal route so that you could go as fast as possible i could see where you were so i had 10 drivers driving all over the place how
0: much did you pay the drivers like an hourly fee or a fixed number per hat or something
1: i gave them a fixed number per hat yeah so we had uh and it was weird though because we would burn out a location so i i literally bought every single beanie of this set of colors in michigan every single one so we went and we, we bought these out and um
0: Yeah, it. We bought every
1: single one. How'd you vet
0: the drivers to give them your credit card?
1: Uh, You just didn't, or I'm sort of. I sort of trust people faster than I should. I mean, it's like, what are they going to burn me? Like, you know, oh well, um, buy a flat screen TV. Whether yeah, buy a flat screen TV. Yeah. No, but we had, I, I had a driver, this is funny, but one of my, my, my employees is like, oh yeah, you should talk to my wife's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called him and he drove like 12 hours a day. He made 10 grand in six or seven days. And, you know, he's a construction worker. So he made makes, 80
0: grand after paying all these guys. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah, and so, nah. yeah.
1: So, so yeah, the, it was just like, and so y- your question is like pivots. That I knew wasn't gonna be a permanent a permanent pivot, right? That's not a business. It's like a, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn so it out. Like a week, a week on this thing total? Like how much and time did you invest? Week and a half, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for me it was and, and it's it's not gonna work moving forward either. So um, you know, it was a one-time thing. I'm like, this sounds fun. And so I have a lot a, a big dilemma I have is how much time do I have? How much fun am I having, and how much money am I gonna make? And so I balance that a lot. Um, So another side business, um, I've purchased 30-some Land Rover Defenders, and I ship classic um, antique Land Rovers into the United States, and then I resell them. So we fix them up um, internationally, ship them over, and then we resell them here. And to me, I'm like, I want an excuse to buy a Land Rover. And this is a great way to buy one and have one in my garage without having to pay for it. So I bought two and then I bought five and then I bought and 10. How do you, how do you find them? Uh, well. so I'll tell you a failure story first. So I, I vetted sort of people on Facebook marketplace. Okay. Um, so I go to Facebook and I go to, so we buy them in the UK and I go on the UK and I search for like Land Rover Defender. Um, and I had my VA looking for them. So we created a database of trucks. So we knew like which ones were priced well, which ones weren't. But then we checked, uh, you know, for rot. So we can look for, um, so you,
0: you get them to a shop or something, take a look at them, and get a report or how, how'd you? Well, or
1: I did a lot of stuff wrong. Let's just say. So, um, but yeah, so we, we can look. They have, uh, I mean, the East Coast in Philadelphia, you have it too. Like they check, they do an annual check on your vehicle to check for rust and chassis damage and stuff. So they have that in the UK and it's all public available. So if I Mm have the VIN number, I can plug it in and see what damage is available. However, I didn't check for stolen vehicles. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I bought a stolen vehicle from, from a guy who swapped the VIN. So I bought two trucks from him, actually. One was stolen. The other one literally was a completely different truck than he sent pictures of. I'm like, dude, if you're going to rob me, like, why even give me the truck, you know? But anyway, he's I bought a truck I didn't get sent me the wrong pictures of. So, yeah, that one went back to the police and it, and I lost 10,000 pounds, so I don't know, 13 yeah. or 14,000. Uh the other one I think spent 5 or 6 or 7 grand on, it. I sold it for 2, so it was like it was just a piece of crap. Um but eventually I found after some trial and error, I found two individuals that have sourced vehicles for me. So, they just call me and say, "Hey, I got a good truck. You want it?" And I pay retail. So I pay retail value in the UK and I ship them over here. So for them, it's
0: easy. They get a cash buyer that doesn't have to deal with it. You don't have like dealer license issues in Michigan? Like in PA, you can only sell so many vehicles under your personal name. Yeah, I can only sell five a year.
1: Um, So what I do is I actually import them under a dealership's name locally. Um, So I I import them. I put them under the... uh, We use Grand Rapids Auto Gallery to sell the vehicles and our GR auto gallery. Okay, and then so they put, get some money on it. You get some money on yeah, it. Yep, so we sell them on consignment through them. It's a little dangerous because they're on title. So I technically don't own them. Um, and, but I mean, what a, like a giant, yeah. giant company is not going to screw somebody over, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like- so the, How much you making on a truck? So last year we sold 14 and we made 55 grand. <laughs> okay. Um, so in hindsight, it was a great time to sell the truck. <laughs> so this year though, interest rates have gone up. And classic vehicles have not increased in value. They've decreased. So I'm a little worried that my next... I have 14 right now that are owned that have yet to be finished registered. And I've, you know, I've got 300 grand or $350,000 wrapped up into those. So I'm sure I'll break even, but yeah. and, I may and, not make money.
0: So at the end of the day, I mean, this is what I, I used to struggle with and I'm, I don't struggle as much anymore. But like, you chase all these things and it's like fun, but it's not like... It ends up like taking time. And it's like, if you spend all that time, you... Bottle these Land Rovers, like, yeah, it wouldn't be fun. But if you invested into your like flip businesses or buying more rentals, like, you probably would have made more money.
1: Yeah. And, but, Brett, everything's right? not about making money. Though, but, yeah, right? yeah. So, so it's
0: the fun aspect, right? It's fun. Yeah. And, 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 and that's like, what you're going for. And, and but this, I think as long as you keep that in mind, that that's why you're doing it, you're doing it yeah. to have fun, not because it's a good business decision or or the best, highest use of your time. And I think that's the, you know, just having clarity around that, that that is truly why you're doing it. And that's okay too. It's good yeah. to have fun. You know? Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Like the the Land Rovers last year, I loved it it didn't take much time it was really simple and then this this year the state's changed how the registration works so before it was like fast it was easy and now it's a big pain in the butt i don't like it anymore so i'm uh, yeah, i'm probably done. stopped so, doing it right yeah you no know, so yeah we're done so i think you know i i always think like with a side business that's the question asked if it's fun is it going to take a lot of time and like Land Rovers takes me more time to talk about it with my friends than it does for me to actually do it. Cause I have a VA that handles the shipping, the dealership sells the properties or sells the uh, yeah, yeah. The, sells the trucks.
0: So for me, it's just like I deploy some funds and I spend an hour a week on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, that's cool. Yeah. And it's a question you know, of, is it a one-off project or is it actually like a business? And if it's a business, it requires like a recurring use of your time. It's also a little bit different too than if it's just like, Hey, a one-off, Hey, we're going to you know, buy a bunch of these hats and make 80 grand in 10 days. Yep. It's like a one-time fun project. You learn something, Hey, maybe there'll be another opportunity. You've kind of learned all the stuff. You can kind of deploy the same exact playbook again. Right. If, if that's what you choose to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what's, what's next kind of on your horizon? I mean, you do a lot of different stuff. What are you like working on now? Like what's it going to look like over the next year for you? Um,
1: the last, so this year, my focus has been on spending time with my family. Um, So at this point, my schedule, uh, when I wake up on time, I didn't this morning, but uh, I try to work between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. and then 1 to 4 with the goal of getting down to 1 to 2 probably. Um, And so during that time, uh, I spend time with myself um, and I do about half research and development in terms of like future ideas, triple net acquisitions. Uh, And then the other half of my time is, is really focused on the flip team and training and development. So I'm, I'm sort of figuring out what I want to do and I don't really know. And so while I'm doing that, I think my main goal right now is to focus on doing less um, so that I can figure out what I really enjoy. Um, and so, you know, I talked a little bit about uh, potentially business acquisition, uh, you know, rolling up franchises, um, just spending time, you know, maybe we turn our flip business into a, a triple net acquisition company. So it'd be really easy to change asset classes. So I don't really know. I'm I'm so just kind of figuring out, and I'm going to give myself this fall and this winter to slow down and work 25 hours a week, and before I make a decision. So that's sort of been my my main focus this year.
0: Good. Yeah, one of the exercises that someone gave to me, and I've tried, is like you make you know you have your to do list, but then you also make a not to do list, yep. and then you can kind of reconcile the two to find you know what are the common things, or like hey, like you said, you really like this part about the flip business, but you don't like. This other component, maybe because they're smaller dollars or the higher units. And now you want to do bigger deals, but less of them. Yeah, and that yep. could lend itself to a different asset class or, you know, whatever. But it's like, you've got all these resources in place that you enjoy. It's just, what do I want to apply it to? So that's, uh, that's a, that's good. It's good advice. Um, it sounds like you're, you're following. So, uh, cool. So where, where can listeners connect if they would like to find out more about kind of your, your company, what you're up to and they have any, uh, cool deals they want to send you for buying hats or.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got a weird, if you got a weird eight day side project, they can make 80 grand on. I'm interested in talking. So, um, yeah. So we have uh, my wife and I travel in a Toyota Tacoma with our two kids. So I've got a two and a four year old and a dog. So we live in a Toyota Tacoma two months of the year. We're, we're going this fall, going to Florida and Texas and um, doing some traveling. So you can see us. Um, I don't run it. My wife does. Uh, Overland Investor uh, is in our Instagram. So at Overland Investor. And then if you guys are interested in investing with us, uh, lending money to our flipping company or uh, becoming a partner on an investment, uh, you can go to overlandinvestor.com. Cool.
0: All right. I guess you have a, you have a trailer you pull too. You no, here? no, we no? Have, we're we in a Toyota Tacoma. Yeah, Where it, do you it's, sleep? It's,
1: it's, we use a, so we have a, 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 a South African camper uh, called an Alakab Kaya. So it's a, it's so like a on top sl- of the bed
0: of the truck. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a slide in truck camper. Um, it kind of looks like a contractor's truck, okay. but yeah. the top pops up and you can sleep inside of it. So we use, uh, um, harvest hosts, um, um, some weird things we like to park, um, cemeteries. My wife gets freaked out at, but cemeteries are a great place to camp. Um, we use VFWs, American legions on the weekdays. Churches are great in the weekdays. So yeah, we just go, um, we travel. I'm, you know, I'm a pretty thrifty guy. So we find a really nice, beautiful place to park where we're not going to get in trouble and we
0: we live off grid. So that right. and BLM land when
1: we're out West. So
0: cool that sounds uh that sounds interesting it's a whole other topic to talk about sometime but um cool i, I appreciate you coming on the show staring sharing your story i think it's pretty interesting and you know uh definitely a different lifestyle like you said but you know part of it is you created this thing by removing yourself to give you that freedom to travel in the tacoma and to you know have all these fun side projects i think it's pretty cool yes sir yeah well thank you for having me brian it's a pleasure right, It was great talking to you That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't.